Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about messaging during hard times. Teresa led a global team that senior leaders at headquarters rarely saw. When another round of layoffs was announced, she feared her team would be decimated. But Teresa fought valiantly for her team, and she did pretty well, too. Her team only lost two members. But when I saw her, she was anything but happy. The team's next conference call was two days away, and she was dreading it. "'What do I tell them this time?' she said. "'My people are hungry for good information. They feel remote and disconnected in the best of times. But now they really need to know what's been happening and what's about to happen. I think it's up to me to give it to them, but I'm not sure I'm up to it. Plus—' I have the feeling they're pissed off already, and anything I say is going to piss them off more. I asked if I could use her computer. When she gave me her chair, I pulled up an audio archive of Franklin Roosevelt's first fireside chat. Delivered one week after his inauguration in 1933, Roosevelt's short speech is plain and unadorned. Humorist Will Rogers later said the president took, quote, such a dry subject as banking and made everyone understand it, even the bankers. End quote. Roosevelt delivered his speech, which was only later called a fireside chat, at the end of an eight day bank holiday, which was a pleasant term for the closure of every financial institution in the country. These were dire times. But the next morning, banks reopened to long lines of customers who, for the first time in years, came to deposit rather than withdraw their money. The stock market opened at a record high, and Treasury bonds sold at their highest rate since World War I. All this from a 14-minute speech. So what did Roosevelt do that was so transformative to a nation where one in four people were unemployed? Well, here's one thing. Within the first 50 words of his speech, he said this, quote, I want to tell you what has been done in the last few days, and why it was done, and what the next steps are going to be. End quote. And then he did exactly that in plain, simple terms. This is a powerful formula for communicating a snapshot of any current situation. Here it is as a three-step formula. Number one, what has happened to date? Number two, why did those things happen? Three, what are the next steps for all of the stakeholders? Teresa and I listened to the whole speech. When it was finished, Teresa observed that Roosevelt spoke for his audience over and over, as if he knew their thoughts. He said things like, Another question you will ask is, and, I know many people are worrying about. By accurately giving voice to their thoughts, he began to forge a personal relationship with each of them that over the years made him deeply beloved. I observed that he repeatedly assumed the good will of his audience, something Teresa wasn't yet able to do about hers. Within the first minute of his speech, he thanked the American people for, quote, the fortitude and the good temper with which everybody has accepted the inconvenience and hardships of the banking holiday. And I know that when you understand what we in Washington have been about, I shall continue to have your cooperation as fully as I have had your sympathy and your help during the past week, end quote. Roosevelt didn't shy away from putting his own interpretation on things, either. For example, 
After explaining why hoarding cash was harmful to the economy, he told America that, quote, the success of our whole national program depends, of course, on the cooperation of the public, on its intelligent support and its use of a reliable system, end quote. Suddenly depositing money wasn't just patriotic, it was intelligent, too. Through his skillful use of all these techniques, Roosevelt, who only a week earlier had told America that the only thing it had to fear was fear itself, changed the course of the banking crisis in 14 minutes. As you deliver your year-end messages, whether your people are in difficult times or not, follow his formula. You're about to hear it reduced to six bullet points. The first three are what your listeners should hear in your thinking and your language. Number one. Listen to people who represent your audience and then accurately speak their concerns. Number two, assume people want to help. Three, be simple and direct. The final three bullet points are the questions you should answer simply without apology. Number one, what happened that got the group to this point? Number two, why did those things happen? Three, what are the next steps for each of the stakeholders? Teresa and I crafted her comments using all six of these guidelines. By the time I left, she was actually looking forward to the conference call. Afterwards, she let me know it had gone well. As proof, she told me that her team, for the first time ever, had flooded her with emails afterwards thanking her for what she'd said. That was the look and sound of leadership in action. That's today's edition of the Look and Sound of Leadership. A complete archive of our executive coaching tips can Since be this podcast was first broadcast, our website has had a makeover. To find our podcasts, just go to our website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That will take you to a searchable archive of our podcasts and more than four years of executive coaching tips. Our podcasts are also available through iTunes. Just search for The Look and Sound of Leadership. Until next time, this is Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.